Hello, everyone. This is another episode of the Football Scouting Podcast. Uh, I think this is our 13th or 14th episode, depending on uh, one of my uh, cued podcasts. Today we have our uh, another one of our XTB scouts. I think we're getting to the, the last of the last of them. We've went through pretty much the entire roster, but today we're going to have uh, George's very own Sales Pinkney. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you doing? Uh, do, uh, doing good. So as uh, for this show, we always start out. We always want to know a little bit about the uh, the person behind the scout. Um, when did you first fall in love with football? Have you been playing since you were eight, or did you kind of uh, learn to love football later in life? So my first experience with football was before I could play. You know, growing up in Georgia, the dogs are a religion basically. So. My grandmother had season tickets, and so we would go to a bunch of the games in Athens. And then by the time I was about six and I was playing baseball, uh, one of the uh, youth football coaches in the area saw how big I was and talked to my dad. And she was like, is, is, is he going to play football? And at six, I was big enough to play in with the seven and eight-year-olds, so... That's how my football career started, and I didn't stop until I was 22, graduating college. Oh, yeah. that's that sounds great. As uh, someone who wishes he was big, I I really wish I could uh, wish I could relate. I was quite frankly the smallest kid on my foot on the football team every single year I tried to play. Um, in like I think I was five foot tall, 80 pounds as a freshman in high school. Was that you in like third grade? <laughs> I was 80 pounds in. Yeah, probably third grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't, I, I, I don't remember the exacts, but I was, I was, I was a little larger than most. Yeah, I, I just grew up really, uh, real, really slender. I had a, a lot of, uh, I had some physical, physical health ailments. My, uh, my mental health was uh, never, uh, never all, the, uh, never all that great in my uh, early childhood, but. The one thing that I uh, I was able to do is I was able to remember all of the baseball stats and all of the football stats. And once I really kind of um, once the Cleveland Indians uh, broke my heart by trading uh, CC Sabathia and uh, Cliff Lee, and I just kind of realized that the Indians are just a really advanced farm system for the rest of Major League Baseball. Um, I really kind of really turned my heart into understanding football, um, learning how, how and why plays are called, why uh, why safeties are smaller than linebackers, the why defensive linemen all, are always like taller and skinnier, but offensive linemen are a little bit fatter, and just trying to understand every single thing. And I just grew between reading books and seeing kind of like the pictures and playing Madden from back when they, when the games were good. Oh yeah. I just knew that whatever I wanted to do in life, I needed, I needed football to be involved, uh, to be involved with it. Now, uh, maybe if I were to like eat myself, I could have be, could have had like the weight and like the girth to have success on the football field. But all I was able to do was tackle people's ankles and hope that they would fall over. Hey, there's guys who make a living off of that in the pros, so it's a valid strategy. 
Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, what position did you uh, did you play in high school, or um, what would you say is your position of expertise? So, my positional journey is all over the place. I started out as a defensive end, running back, moved to linebacker, quarterback, to defensive end, offensive line, or there's a cornerback somewhere thrown in. I played corner. <laughs> Uh, that was before I, that was before I moved to linebacker actually. So uh, so when I was a running back, I was a corner. Then I moved to linebacker, quarterback. Then I moved to tight end and fullback. Then it was offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, back to defensive line. Uh, stayed on the offensive line all through that. And then when I got to high school, I played a little bit of linebacker. DN hybrid type deal and offensive line all from left tackle to right tackle would literally just plug and play wherever they needed me. And then uh, when I was a freshman, I started learning how to long snap and became the special teams truther that I am today. And then when I got to college, I was a uh, defensive lineman and long snapper. Only got on the field for long snapping though, so we're going to call that a long snapper. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, Wake. Uh, what was it about long snapping that got you into it? Just as another way to get on the field, or was there just something about long snapping that made you fall in love with it? So when I was a freshman, our uh, long snapper was a senior graduating, and the coaches needed somebody to fill his shoes after he graduated. I uh, threw the lucky straw. I, they told me you're gonna learn to long snap. I was like, okay. Then I uh, started long snapping, realized that I was actually kind of good at it, and uh, the rest is history. Absolutely, and it's always a really good feeling when you like discover that you have like a very I don't want to say a useless talent, but a very obscure talent that you're like, hey, wait a second, I can actually. I could actually do this at the next uh, at the next level. I remember uh, I actually realized I had a very odd skill in high school. That was I was really good at hacky sack. Mm. Like I would just play with like the stoners at gym class, and it was like only took a week, and I was better than all of them. It's the most useless skill ever, but it's like a really nice feeling of like discovery when you realize that you have something, and then you can work on it and like learn learn tricks and get slow uh slowly and slowly uh, uh better at it exactly. so what was uh what was your college play uh playing experience like and uh what what did you what did you learn from there right. so i was division three i uh i talked to a couple undisclosed division one places about possibly preferred walking on but that didn't uh that didn't work out acceptance into the school wise because apparently you have to get in your own, on your own if uh, if you're walking on, which I unfortunately came close but didn't get in. But uh, so Division three, it um, there's no scholarships. There's these things they call uh, grants basically, which is basically just like an additional little like financial aid package for athletes, and so. Pretty much everybody there is playing because they love football. It's not like they're trying to make a career out of it. It's literally just like, we don't want to stop playing football. So that's an interesting feeling because it's 
I don't want to say it was exactly like high school because it's not it's more intense than high school football. It's the same as Division One, just without the glitz and glam and all the money because you're still waking up at 6 a.m. on Tuesdays to go through scouting report meetings and then you go to class and then once you're out of class you go right to the trainer's room get taped up get any treatment you need then you're out of practice at four o'clock and then practice ends at six thirty, seven o'clock you eat and possibly some post-practice meetings if you're on the special teams units like i was and then you've got to go do your homework and you're starting your homework and all your schoolwork until eight thirty, nine o'clock at night and then by the time you're finished because i went to a very i went to rhodes college which was a very academically focused school in memphis so they gave us a lot of work we wouldn't finish until midnight 1 a.m wake up do it all over the next day so i think that's one of the big misconceptions about division three division two is that it's people think it's just high school football at a higher level when it's actually pretty much the same work i don't want to say the same workload but just as intense of a workload as division one we just don't, you know, get all the glitz and glam and TV deals and scholarships. We do it because we love it, and that's our sole motivation is we want to keep playing football, so we keep playing football. Yeah, and that that's 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 always great. I mean, playing playing football is like it's it's just something it's something special. Like sometimes I like uh, wonder and wish like, hey, with the body I have now, fi- finally being able to get to like a healthy five uh, five foot eleven, one hundred and fifty to one hundred and sixty pounds, could I could I could I make my high school team? Could I finally like play play some uh play some varsity or like even when uh like my little brother sometimes him and his friends will go uh play some seven on seven uh on a parking uh, at a parking lot and I even just have so much uh, so much fun doing that even though I'm just not where all these other people are athletically like it is really just like a privilege and a rarity to play foot to be able to play football because once you're done with college like there it's you're 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 either doing semi-pro or you're either doing full-time pro there aren't like it's not like volleyball where you can join your local ymca football team and play other ymcas it's it's too expensive and too painful and there's just so much practice and teamwork drills that go into football where it's not worth it if you're not attached to a college school or or a legitimate pro team mm-hmm. it's, so, it's something and hey when it comes to the size one of my best friends in high school was 140 pounds soaking wet and he still went out there just because he wanted just because he he wanted to be a part of it yeah the other issue is I'm slow so we're kind of we're, we're kind of in a oh, yeah. we're kind of in a double pickle there <laughs> Hey, no one cares. It's the bodies that count. It's high school. Yep. Well, and at least at my school, I went to a tiny, I went to a tiny private school, so we only had forty-something guys on the team at most uh, before injuries and all that stuff happened. So we needed bodies, and we didn't care who it was. Oh, what is it? My uh, my school was the same was the same way, but I was still I was still too uh, too small to make an impact uh, make an impact there. My high school team won nine games in the five uh, from when I was uh, in eighth grade to senior year. My uh, my graduating class had like 120 people in it, and only uh, like three and a half kids were even on the were even 
from my class were on the football team. And I say half because one of the kids was stupid and got suspended for half the season. So, yeah, it was... I played some of the worst... Uh, played Got to see some of the worst football imaginable. Uh, I got to see a, uh, my JV team go the entire season without scoring a single touchdown. I saw a game where we had 15 fumbles in, like, a single game. It was... Yeah. Like we could not, we we were at the point where like getting the hand, uh, having like a successful handoff was like a success. <laughs> so, so with all due respect, y'all were the bad news bears of football. Uh, yeah, but worse. Oh wow. Yeah, well, I I know how you feel. We won twelve games in my four years, so including and there was an zero and ten in there somewhere. So. Mhm. Yeah, we had. Mhm. We had uh, two Owen tens, Owen tens in there. Lots of uh, weird stories. Apparently, our head co- um, somebody accused our head coach of murdering a cat after a football practice. Yeah, it was there. There were some strange things going on. I think we had five head coaches in five years. Just. It's, uh, it, you, you just kind of, like, wonder if, like, this, oh, I'm not sure if you wonder this, but if the surroundings, like, if you never change positions, if you had just one coach the entire way who truly, like, believed in you, uh, like, where you would be as an athlete, I kind of wonder if, like, maybe we had some people kind of get, uh, get shafted by the constant changing and the just terrible culture we had. Yeah, I, uh, I was, ben- I, I benefited from having that coach because uh, I originally like once those two uh, preferred walk on things didn't really uh, pan out I was originally just going to go to Georgia or Ole Miss or something like that and just be a regular college student maybe try to walk on there uh, but well I got into Rhodes because I applied there because my mom went there back in the 80s and she played volleyball and basketball there and I really just applied there to make her happy, you know, just fine. I'll apply. I'll see if I get in. And I got in. And then a couple weeks later, my coach was just like, you got into Rhodes, right? You want me to send them your film? I'm just like, sure. Uh, not really thinking anything would come of it. And then I got a call from their defensive coordinator that night. And my recruiting process began. And I never really looked back. I ended up at Rhodes, played football for four years, enjoyed it. And really, it's all because I had a coach that kind of nudged me in the direction of, hey, you can keep playing, even if it's not at D1 level, at least give it a shot. Yeah. So that's one of the things that it sounds like you like your program didn't have that I was fortunate enough to have a coach that did believe in us. That's uh, that's great. So uh, what was your transition like to being from being a player to being kind of an uh, analyst, uh, scout, uh, scout type person. Like, uh, when did when did you transition from pl- uh, player to wanting to stay in football as like a scout? So my senior semester, or my senior spring semester in college, uh, it's about that time where you're just like, oh shit, I gotta find a job. And I. Uh, was kind of sitting there thinking, and by the time I graduated, I still didn't have anything really figured out. So over that summer, I'm looking for jobs and everything, 
and I uh, start thinking, and I'm basically thinking, you know, all I've pretty much ever known is sports, football, baseball, basketball. It's all I've ever, it's been, I've always been doing one of those, regardless of the time of year. And so my thought process was, let's go and try and work in sports. It's kind of all you've ever known. You love being part of a uh, quote-unquote team. So let's let's see if we can find a job in sports. So then I started looking at jobs in baseball, jobs in football. I applied for an uh, internship with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, just all over the place. Didn't really care which sport, just wanted it to be a sport. And then Jane, and I kept doing that while working part-time just to sort of, you know, have something to do. And then January comes around and I find a job posting at uh, Sports Info Solutions for baseball video scouts. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'll throw my name in the hat. Uh, got that job uh, and did the whole baseball video scout thing for uh, the 2019 season. And then uh, applied for the football job while I was in the baseball job. Got that. And so that's really my first foray. And so when they do their rookie handbook and Matt Mancharian and John Todd and Nathan Cooper do the whole scout school thing of basically giving you an introductory course into football scouting. Uh, I went through that process. That was really great. And then I finished up at football there and I pretty much kept the whole like watching football and that scouting perspective. And then this past year, I went back to SIS as a second-year uh, video scout associate and continued with the whole scouting process. And during quarantine, Cyril, Zach, whatever you want, Zach Penn, whatever, whatever you want to call him, he texted me. He's just like, hey, we're working on putting together our own scouting guide. Are you interested uh, when we are still with draft right? And I'm just like, hell yeah, why not? Let's do it. And uh, so... I've spent the past several months uh, not only looking for actual jobs in football, baseball, or whatever, preferably football at this point, but uh, so I've been helping out with this project that we've been working on for since, what was it, April or May, and then I've also been helping out uh, with SIS's uh, handbook, and I've really just sort of fallen in love with the whole scouting process and identifying players because it takes me back to those Tuesday morning scouting report meetings where you're sitting there breaking down film and they're telling you this is happening because of this and we need to do this to counter that and that's something that I had kind of lost in the two years since I played and it's something that I'm I'm happy that I've rediscovered and am enjoying once again. Because when I was in high school, I always enjoyed the, uh, like, okay, the defensive linemen are doing this, which means the linebackers need to do this because the safety, and I really, and the safety is doing this. And I enjoyed how, like, the further back you got, the more you had to understand what was going on up front. Because I was one of the, I was one of the big brutes up front. I didn't have to know what was going on behind me, but I enjoyed learning why they were doing that and where, and what their purpose was for doing each specific thing. And when we were at, uh, Georgia games, I would be sitting in the stands and I would see like, oh, they're running cover two right now. We need to do this route concept. What are they're doing cover three, yada, yada, yada. And I was, and this is when I was in high school and I was uh, just doing that because I enjoyed it. And then when I got to college, I sort of fell off of that, just 
stopped caring at that level. And now that I'm out of actually playing football, I've rediscovered that. And it's just scouting is a great way to sort of still feel that, uh, I guess that just that feeling of, of wonderment of just like seeing everything perfectly work together because each person is doing their specific job. And when it's all done correctly, it results in the beauty that is football. Exactly. Like, there's just so much, like, football is like chess in a way where, like, the the more you dig deep, the more you dig deeper, the more things that you have to have to discover. There's just so many like different ways to uh, line up, so many strategies from different er- different eras of football, like everything from the technique of the three uh, of a defensive tackle and the B gaps to um like how safeties and corners decide whose man is who in different match concepts, like. I'm always learning something new and that like sense of discovery has really been one of the things that have been keeping me going. And then just also just kind of the aspect of I I've always just uh, been on like sports Twitter and I've always been talking about sports and I just kind of wanted to be able to be one of those people who can cut through all of the noise and just find the reality in all of it, uh, in all of the things that people are saying. And the only way to really do that is just by grinding the film. Mm-hmm. And I when Rich Rod, uh, Rich Fraud, as some might call him, uh, was at Arizona, and they were talking about this new uh, offense that he was sort of running. It was like a triple option, but instead of your traditional triple option, it was the quarterbacks doing a read option and he had the option to throw a slant or a quick. And now six years, whatever it was, I think it's like, I think this was back in like 2014, maybe when they were talking about this new innovative offense he's doing. And now everybody's running RPOs. Like, yeah, it was the, it was the original like RPO move. And now everybody's doing it. And I just remembered that the other day. It was like, wow, I remembered watching an Arizona game of Pac-12 after dark and, they were doing this, and now it's trickled into being, like, basically the bread and butter for a lot of teams. Exactly. I kind of had a similar um, uh, memory. It was a 2007 Oregon versus Michigan. It was my first time watching the Chip Kelly, Dennis Dixon, Oregon offense, and just seeing the read options, the Statues of Liberty's fake, they ran a fake Statue of Liberty. And my my little 12-year-old brain just, like, blew up seeing plays that aren't in my Madden playbook. Like, I was, like, mad. But I was so, there was that, again, sense of discovery and wonderment about you can do that. Like these are like options that can occur on a football field, and that was one of my uh, moments when I'm just like, just being able to see like that offensive movement um, come into fruition, and watch Chip Kelly go from Oregon to the Eagles, and then well now back to UCLA, but just. And then, yeah, Rich Rod, too, and what West Virginia was doing in the Pat White, Steve Slayton years. It's just... We don't talk, we don't talk about those. Oh, we don't talk about those? Cause no. they're, they're just too good in NCAA um, 08 or 07? Too uh, good? I was, the, I was at that Sugar Bowl. Oh. Uh, we don't talk about Pat White. Yeah, poor Georgia fan. 
so uh yeah that's 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 always been great it's it's all, always amazing talking with other people who kind of view football in that uh in that kind of um same light what do you think has been like the uh, most important thing that you kind of like learned um as a scout or what are you kind of like your scouting mantras that um you always kind of like use when maybe watching a player that you know nothing about and you're trying to figure out whether he's a fifth round guy a second round guy or a priority free agent like uh, i guess how do you scout <laughs> uh, well well the first process is i uh, i put on the film that's that's generally the first process that I think many people should uh, should look at because I know a lot of people, uh, not necessarily scouts, but a lot of people would just read what somebody else like what Daniel Jeremiah or Mel Kiper or McShay or somebody just wrote on them, and that's their opinion on the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't like I I do not like doing that. I don't like looking at other opinions until after I've formed my own. So I'll throw on the film. I'll write down my notes. I've got a pretty simple system i write down. i've got color coded with blue green red blue is what i really like green is something i could i could like but i might be a little neutral on red is something that i really just don't like about the guy and so i'll do that i'll form my opinions and you know there's obviously the stuff that when you're watching guys you're looking for certain things like when i'm looking for a defensive lineman i look for guys who do what i couldn't or not what i couldn't what i didn't do which is you know, use your hands, keep a good uh, hand fighting, keeping the offensive lineman's hands off you, whereas I would just sort of bull rush and throw my shoulder into somebody. Coaches hated when I did that. But I, So that's one of the fun things that I do is I, I look for guys who do what I didn't do on the defensive line, not saying that I if I did that stuff, I would have been D1. I, I wouldn't have. I was not that good. But it's just the technique things that don't change from level to level. Uh, I look for that to start off with. I look at for D-lineman edge guys look at your get-off. And it's just, I try to work from beginning of the play to the end of the play. So I'll have to wa- I'll watch a play four or five times. And the first the first time I'm just looking at their get-off and their initial punch or hand usage or the initial uh, drops of DBs and the release of the receiver. And then I'll just gradually, with each time I watch the play, get a little bit further or I watch the whole play each time, but I'll pay more attention to each little aspect each time I go through it. And I feel that helps me because for me, the clearest way to paint a picture of a player is to start at the beginning of a play and then work through that. If that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I know um, uh, Rob uh, Simpson has been, is one of my uh, favorite, uh, favorite scouts to read and um he organizes his reports uh chronologically too so usually when i start writing like uh, my strengths and weaknesses section i'll always start with the strength the um strengths that i find to be the strongest and the weaknesses that i find to be the weakest but i think uh rob and sometimes you will start out the strengths by like going chronologically like if you're talking about a receiver the first thing you talk about his would be his release, then the stems, then um, the breaks and how much separation they get. And then, like, the last thing they'll be talking about is, like, their hands at the catch point and uh, how well they do running after the catch. And it's just, like, such a different way of organizing um, organizing the thoughts. And it's just, like, really just kind of, like, interesting to see 
somebody do uh, do things interesting, but still be able to make a compelling, uh, write the compelling story of what that player is and what that player will be at the next level. And that that's one of the things that's really fun about scouting is there's no one single right way to read up a report or to watch a play. And it's just whichever way you you feel paints the best picture for you and allows you to paint the best picture for those who are reading what you write. Exactly. And that was what was kind of like uh, when I was making all of the methods. So I think you'd be a really interesting person to talk to because you were simultaneously writing reports for SIS, which is kind of like the grandpa, the like a, one of the place that I worked at that kind of start, um, got me started on scouting and all all of my methods and all of my uh, all the stuff and scales that I worked on were taking the SIS methods and making it so I could understand them better because there are just a lot of weird stuff in there like how defensive tackles can't be a six five have a six five grade but linebackers can and I like removed like all of that stuff and tried to make all of the grades make uh make more uh make more sense. But then in doing this for me, it made it easier for me to show other people. It also made it easier for other people to use our system. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's that's like I said, that's what makes it so fun is there's no one right way to do it. Like I mean, you go to I mean I don't personally have experience doing this because I have never worked for an NFL team yet. Uh, I say hopefully. Uh, but Matt Mano, who is like the he's the guy at SIS when it comes to scouting, you know, scouted for you know he scouted for the Browns, scouted for the Saints, all that stuff. Yeah. But he he's he would always tell us it's just like every team has their own different way of doing it, and none of them are the right way, and none of them are the wrong way. It's just their way. And it's the way that they do things, and you've got to be adaptable to different systems and be able to paint the same picture in a different method, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And while, uh, and the reason that there's only their way is one of the most important way uh, things about making a system is making it so that you can have different scouts all under the same system. So you can compare, um, compare work uh, um, opposing scouts. Like I can read a report by Shea and a report by you and I can, we can look at the trait grades and we can look at the final overall grades. And even though we have two different people of two different, uh, of different skill levels, experience, uh, experience, um, and things that uh, you guys might be able to recognize two different things. Um, the scale would be able to like connect, uh, connect both uh, both reports. Do you find it like beneficial to be writing um, for two different publication uh, two different publications with two different systems, or do you find it challenging? Um, a little bit of both, honestly, because I I feel it's beneficial because there's all the guys that I get to do for us, and then there's other guys that I didn't that I didn't do for us that I'm doing for SIS so it's just it lets me watch more guys that I wouldn't have had a chance to watch uh if I was just doing one or the other like for us uh, I know Britain's doing Hunter Long I was assigned Hunter Long for SIS so a guy that I wouldn't have had a chance to watch uh, if I wasn't helping out with SIS's book I got a chance to write up and I actually really like him so I'm that's good and then but it's also very it's also challenging because they have a slightly different grade 
your grading scale, our grading scale is based off of theirs, but it's still slightly different. And uh, the way they write their reports is different. They have some, their trait grades and their specific traits are more broken down into more traits. So it's fun and challenging to have to do it two different ways. Uh, and then I've got a couple guys that I'm uh, doing for both. So I have to, so like Ben Cleveland, I wrote him up for us during the summer and I got assigned him at SIS. So I have to write him up one way with these trade grades. And then I have to transpose that into another format while saying the same thing. So I have the same opinion on both reports, but I have to say it in completely different ways because for us, we go strengths, weaknesses, what don't we know, scheme fits and all that stuff with our trade grades. And then for SIS, they go uh, straight up run game, pass game. Exactly. So it's, just, it's, it's a different way of writing the same thing. And transposing those guys is it's harder than I thought it would be because I have to – so, like, things that I would be saying only in the past game, I have to move up to strengths or down to weaknesses and then vice versa for run game. And I have to make sure it still all flows because the way I write reports, it just feels naturally easier to write it run game, pass game because I can start at the beginning of a play and work down from, like, a run play versus a pass play. The way we do it, it's a little more challenging to do it that way because, you know, you can't start a play as a run play and then finish. Well, I guess with an RPA, you can't start as a run play and finish as a pass play. But you, you know what I mean. It's just like, it's a little difficult, but I, it's, it's a challenge that I embrace and I'm actually really enjoying having to do things in two different ways because I feel like it uh, broadens my skill set to be able to use two different systems at the same time. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The people who make the decisions on who to hire and all that stuff agree with that i don't know but it makes me feel better to say it that way so i'm gonna do yeah it. yeah exactly that's kind of like one of the things that drop my calculator one of the things that i was um kind of thinking about it as this is like a long-term project or what we're going to do for next year if we're if, we're, if uh, we keep the project afloat and don't split up would be um, should we like completely change the draft, um, our draft methods and scales and do something different? Because if we want to get into the NFL, I feel that we shouldn't be like locked in or set on one uh, method or scale, because if we're going to get hired by the, ch the chiefs or something, and they use a completely different scale, then we want to be able to adapt and adjust. And I think what you're doing is show that you're going to be able to adapt and adjust to the Baltimore Ravens system or the Belichickian system or whichever team, uh, whichever team may hire you. So that's something I got to think about when I'm like, hey, I developed this entire system, but I'm, I sh I'm going to need to completely dump this um, if I go into a team or if I go into a different company. So like scouting is scouting, but so much of scouting is how you organize your scouting. <laughs> and changing how you organize your scouting is like a lot more a lot more difficult than I think what people realize. Yeah, it's uh but I you know, like I was saying, I feel it's good to number one, have a broad mind and be able to do it multiple different ways, but also to show you can do it multiple different ways. And that's really like just having that broad skill set that can be used all over the place is something that I kinda 
learned would be valuable while I was at SIS because I'm sitting here scoring and breaking down baseball games, and then two weeks later I'm charting football games, deciphering coverages and whatnot, two completely different sports, but it's, and I know the baseball doesn't really have much to do with football scouting, but it's just, it's a different skill that you can use to transpose into other things because you have to, it keeps your attention to detail up, it keeps your multitasking ability up, and it makes sure that you aren't just a one-dimensional employee at wherever you are. So having my theory is the more you can do at a good at a high level, the better, because obviously you're going to take somebody, or at least if I was hiring somebody, uh, not, not even for football, just a job in general, I would be looking for, like, okay, this guy does one thing really well but doesn't do other things very well, whereas this guy does that one thing at a little bit lower level, but he does so much more at a much higher level, I would, unless I, a very specific situation where I needed that one specific thing to be perfect, I would probably go with the more with the more versatile person because you could plug and play uh, everywhere while barely losing uh, too much of performance or whatever you want to call it in that yeah. one specific area. And the crazy thing is, is you could be talking about somebody um, working at an insurance company or an offensive guard. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like I could be talking about an insurance adjuster or insurance or uh, insurance salesman, or I could be talking about an offensive guard that can also play center and tackle. Uh, exactly, and as somebody who currently works at Taco Bell, oh, uh, give me that, give me that toasted cheddar chalupa, baby. Uh, what is it? We've moved on to the uh, the bacon club chalupa. I I think it's it's so it's so much better. Na- nacho fries are back in my area. I'm not sure if they're back in your area. Oh no, I haven't been to Taco Bell since I came back to Georgia. So <laughs> yeah, de- de- definitely go and get yourself some nacho fries and the new, uh, new blue raspberry freeze they have. It's delicious. And that was your ad read today. Thank you to our sponsor, Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, a other other weird fact. If you were to if you've listened to our uh, episodes, we have three. Three of our scouts are current. Our um, their day job is uh, wor- working at ta- working at different taco places. So um, it's just kind of like one of those weird things. It's a pan- it's a pandemic. It's been it's been tough on tough on everybody. But hey, tacos are ta- tacos are a big part of this giant project to try to get ourselves in the draft community and get ourselves hopefully hired by NFL teams or XFL teams or get to our next step in the in our football careers. Football that, that, tacos are forever. Exactly. Taco tacos are the official sponsor of XTV. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's talk about some of the play, uh, players that uh, you've been writing about. You um you were our uh you were an absolute machine for uh, XTV for the uh, preliminary process. I think you uh you were our leading scout um with uh, mo- most uh most players done. Uh, yeah, I had to I had to I had to slow down my pace a bit because I was writing for SIS too, but uh, we're picking it we're picking it back up. So. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Finish, uh, finish second place. Second place, but I mean, Searles in first. He barely, he barely counts. He's like the lead, the other leader of this whole project. I've also had a bunch of guys say they're going back to school, so let's let, let let's bump my numbers up a bit to account for that. I got, I got, I got, I got screwed. Okay, 
yeah, that's <laughs> those are <laughs> that's that's the worst. You you write a report on a guy and they go back to school. It's just like oh, uh, this, the worst part for me when I was at SIS, I was writing up Corey Sutton and I took a break in the after like two or three games to just do a little background on him. Just like okay, I knew he tore his ACL and he couldn't play this year because he opted out. So let's do a little uh, background on him and then I figure out oh he was going back to school the whole time. Yeah, so I wasted two and a half hours watching film of a guy who's going back to school. Yeah. But, but, but hey, now, now now you're more uh you have that information for your 2022 draft reports. Right. So uh, it's gonna be, you know, we got a little head start on next year. It's not all that bad. Yeah, exactly. So the you're doing the uh, crown jewel of uh, of this class. You have so- uh, signed up for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, do you buy the hyperbole on tr- on Trevor Lawrence? Do you think he's the best QB since Joe Burrow, Andrew Luck, or are we talking about a John Elway, Joe Namath type pl- uh, player prospect with uh, Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, you know, I I really, and this has changed in the past couple of months. Honestly, I hate player comps because no one player is the exact same. There's only one player comp that I will make and pound the table for, and we'll get to, we'll get to that later with uh with my guy. But uh, so, but I would say I personally think Trevor Lawrence is the top quarterback at least since Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck was you know can't miss like no matter where he goes, he's going to succeed. And Trevor Lawrence, I personally feel is at that level. I don't know if I'm not going to go out and say he's better than Andrew Luck was, but I'm not going to I'm going to say he's in my opinion he is at least as good if not better. But I'm not going to say he's better because I'm I'm still working on him. I'm that is the report that I'm putting the most time and effort into because obviously you want the crown jewel, the guy who's probably going to be number 1 on our draft board and is definitely going to be the number 1 pick in the draft. You want that to be as well done and accurate as possible. So I'm spending way more time on him than I am anybody else. And he, so far he's living up to the hype and I, that, that makes me happy because I get to watch a really good player. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I've just been watching like Trevor Lawrence, like whenever, like I'm uh, watching like a guy who goes against Clemson, I'm always checking out Trevor Lawrence and I'm just, it's just so incredible that like how quick the ball just jumps out of his hand and his just overall arm talent. On that thing. It's not, it's, he's got that, uh, he's got a good release. It's, got that tight spiral it's on a line when it needs to be it's got touch when it needs he just can air it out if he really needs to get it downfield uh and it just most of the time it goes where he wants it now sometimes where he wants it isn't where it needs to be but he wants it there he can put it there and that's that's one of the things that i really like about him is that because as as everyone knows i am a jake Fromm truther (laughs) jake Fromm is good Come at me with your opposing takes, uh, but that's one of the, that's that's something that you just don't see with Jake Fromm is that arm talent just to get it anywhere on the field with velocity right where you want it. Exactly, and like normally when you see like that kind of arm talent, it comes on 
a project type player, but not with Lawrence. Like there was this play I saw in like the Ohio state game. And it was like the most boring play possible from, if you're just a casual fan, it was a pass to Travis Etienne for zero yards, but he broke free from a sack and then took like two steps to the right to avoid another sack and then he's getting hit as he's throwing so it was like feet are off the ground and he still has the uh, like the presence of mind and body to be able to throw the football to his check down and even though his check down didn't didn't go anywhere I was just watching that play that zero yard pass play and I'm like this is why Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL by year two and honestly, if Trevor Lawrence makes the Pro Bowl year one, I don't think I'd be surprised. Would you? I I really don't think I would be that surprised. Um, I'm not going to call him elite right off the bat, but Pro Bowl, I could, you know, down in Jacksonville where he is 99.99% going to end up. You know, they've actually got some decent receivers and weapons. They just don't have a line and they don't have a defense. So, like, but I mean, Trevor Lawrence can do something with, DJ Chark and James Robinson and you know even Georgia boy Chris Conley he's a solid third or fourth op- he's a solid fourth option for a quarterback to throw to like yeah but uh and who's that other receiver they have um Chark LaVisca LaVisca yep LaVisca I forgot I completely forgot about LaVisca and then there's another guy um Keelan he- Keelan Cole Keelan Cole yeah like that's not like it's not the Falcons receiving core it's not you know, Randy Moss or Chris Carter, anybody out there, but it is not a bad group of receivers and weapons mm-hmm. to throw to. There yeah. are much worse in the league. Just look at Baltimore. just look at Baltimore. They've got Marquise Brown, who's okay in the NFL in my opinion, and they've got Mark Andrews. And outside of that, they Willie they, Sneed. <laughs> exactly. Like I would take the I would personally take the Jags receiving core over the Ravens, over the Texans, um over Honestly, the Browns. No, I actually like the Browns receiving core a lot. Um, <laughs> over the Giants, the, like obviously the Giants, the Jets, but like the Jaguars were a bad team, but they were, but like they actually have some weapons that, in theory, shouldn't hold Lawrence back too much. If anything's going to hold him back, I think it's going to be that offensive line, which, as we've seen with uh, what's his face, this year, Minshew. No, not Minshew. Not not a not a Jaguar quarter. I'm trying to remember which team it is. It was on touch my tongue, and I just slipped my mind. I got that CTE from playing too much football. <laughs> um, Darnold. Uh, Darnold's been running for his life for a couple of years, and even if even if he's not as good, we're never going to know because he has no protection. Yeah, shell shocked, confidence gone. We'll say Mackay Beckton. That guy's good. Yeah, Mackay Beckton is. The rest, the rest of the offensive line, a little suspect. Yeah. Everyone, uh, what is it? All those PFF guys were saying that Mackay Becton was going to sock, and he was just like, "Nope, I'm going to actually be a pretty good tackle." Burrow, that's that's the original guy. I was thinking of Burrow. Burrow, yeah. I don't, that like I say, Darnold's running for his life. Burrow was actually running for his life, and it it cost them big time. Yeah. And the Bengals might be paying for a while for that because while I mean Burrow's not really known for his mobility, like, but his pocket awareness and his like eight his ability to just like take three steps into the pocket, left, right, forward, just w- wiggle around the pocket. Like it was almost Tom Brady-esque. Like 
Yes, a guy who's not a great overall athlete, but can somehow move in the pocket smoothly and stay in the open spaces. It and you don't know how, but they can just do it, and it it works. Yeah. So if you take away that knee, because it was it was I believe it was multiple tendons. It, it was um, ACL, and then I think he got the meniscus a little bit. It wasn't terrible triad, which is good, but meniscus like, ain't that big of a deal. They'll shave it down so it's smooth and he's good to go. No, no big deal. Okay. All right. Okay. That, I, I, I say I say that. As somebody who had to go through the ACL with the meniscus twice, I say that, but, you know, obviously it, it's more serious and I think it's sound, but it's not. Meniscus is very minor compared to the ACL, so. Okay, yeah. What is it? It's AC, uh, ACL, MCL, and meniscus. That's the one where you're just like, yeah, you're probably, that's the terrible triad. That's when it's just like, that's a year and a half. Uh, it's either that or it's the ACL, PCL, MCL, something, something. There's. There's four major ligaments in there. You don't really want to tear any of them, but the ACL is definitely the worst of them to tear. Yeah. And there you go. The Medical po- talk on the yes. football scouting oh. podcast. Yep, the football scouting podcast where we talk about Taco Bell's uh, new menu items and knee ligaments. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence is good. You've heard, uh, you've heard it here first. He might be a pro, uh, pro bowler, uh, year one. He's got a good team around him. Um, good team around him at Jacksonville. Offensive line is uh, a little let's issue. Not, let's, not, let's not, let's not go good team. He has some decent weapons around Yes, him. decent. It's not a tear. It's not a hopeless situation like the Jets. Yeah, we've seen, we've seen much worse for rookie quarterbacks. Okay. And I know every, I know everybody probably wants to hear more, like, Probably is going to be disappointed that we're not going more in depth on Trevor Lawrence, but guys, come on, it's Trevor Lawrence. Like, what what do you want me to say? You want me to you want me to just start listing off his grades? Everybody knows he's going to be the number one overall pick. Everybody knows that he's good. Like, I I'm not going to say anything that you don't already know. So I apologize, but if Paul, if you have anything specific you want to ask about him, but like, I mean, do we really need to go into the full report here? It's it's Trevor Lawrence, guys. Yeah. Trevor, uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is good. He wi- Trevor Lawrence wins a lot. I mean, he, he does. definitely does. He's also very athletic. Uh, one of my, I know you said you hated player comps, but uh, one, the one I've, I've been using to uh, tell people about him is a, he's like Andrew Luck, but with Cam Newton's legs. Honestly, I don't hate that. I hate player comps, but that's like, if I had to make one, I wouldn't hate that. Maybe a little lower on the the leg part, but he is like, regardless, he's six, 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 six guys aren't supposed to run. Like he can run. Yeah. Just pull up the Ohio state tape from last year and pull up that 66 yard run where he jukes a safety in the open field and outruns everybody against yeah. Ohio state. Like not a bad team. Yeah. Not a bad team. Not a slow team. What, like the second I saw that play, my mind like just immediately like went to mush because now I'm just like, wait a second, I already know he's got a great arm, but I can run read options with him on third and three. And that's one of the things that I noticed in looking at his film last year over the summer is his freshman year he showed it off with the arm, but then last year while the throwing the passing stats might have taken a bit of a dip, he showcased his ability to run and actually be. I know we hate saying, we hate the analogy of don't say anything that just says he's a white quarterback that can run a little. He 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 he's he's not he's more athletic than you think he is. Like that that's just what he is. 
six six two twenty guys are not supposed to be able to move like that and juke out Ohio State safeties. Exactly. Exactly. That's what he did all year last year with his legs. And then this year, I think he showcased a little bit of both. Uh, took a little step back on the running, uh, a little bit. But I mean, come on, like, what do you want him to do? He, come on. Like, yeah. What do you want? I mean, he, he he's a, he's as great of a prospect as, we, as we've seen, but he is not uh, John Elway mixed with Lamar Jackson. Like, no, like nobody's gonna be that. And if they are, God help us for anybody who doesn't draft him. Yes, and God help the Madden developers because. Good luck making him balance. Uh, no, that, that, that's not a balanced player. You can't make him balance, so don't even try. Yeah, or, or, or that. Yeah, it, that would ruin Madden uh, more so than it is. Uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Go from QB1 to possibly wide receiver 1. Let's let's talk. What do, what do you want to know about Jamar Chase? Aside uh, from the fact that he's good. <laughs> okay, so yes, he's good. How about how about his speed? Do you think that he um I know he's not like a Jalen Waddle fast kind of guy, but is he gonna be catch is he gonna be the kind of guy who can catch a uh, who can outrun some NFL corners, or is he just going to be a contest uh contested uh receiver guy, contested catch kind of guy? Yeah, he that's one of the things that I noticed about Jamar Chase is he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, but he's still makes it work and plays fast and plays big, even though he's his body isn't that. Like obviously you'd prefer for him to have, you know, probably two more inches. He's only six foot and five eighths, uh, according to what we what I've found. But he you know, so you'd like him to be probably six two if you really wanted him to be like just the perfect specimen. But he plays bigger than he is, in my opinion. And he plays faster than he than he looks. So he'll be he won't be able to outrun everybody, but he'll be able to create some s- separation with his speed uh, against some guys, and then other guys will have to do it with his route running or his release and all that stuff. And that's what I really like about him is that he can he can create separation in any way he wants, and he can catch most balls thrown his way because he can jump. Not a great, he's not the best jumper, but he's definitely not the worst jumper. Like all of his things, I'm not going to grade him out at like sevens and eights across the board, but he just does everything so well to where he can make up for not being the biggest or the fastest. So hmm. he will be able to outrun some people. He won't be able to outrun everybody, but you don't need to outrun everybody. You just need to outrun the guy chasing you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think that there is any one trait that he's going to be the best in the class at? So uh, where is it? right now, our, our best, uh, the wide receiver with the best hands uh, out of the guys we've watched, but we've, we've, we've watched pretty much all of the um, guys who are considered round one, round two wide receivers besides Jamar Chase and Chris Olave. So right now, our best hands is Devontae Smith. Do you think do you think he's gonna get a better hands grade than Devontae? Uh, hmm, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll say I'll say it'll probably be even, right around the same level with Devontae Smith, maybe. So All I'm, right. I mean, you know, uh, like I, because I, I mark down like how many catches they have. The, the vast majority of his catches are clean, off body, just pluck it out the air and tuck it. 
You know, he rarely lets it get into his body. And honestly, when he does let it get into his body, it's intentional because he's in traffic and he wants to secure the catch and not risk somebody knocking it out while he's bringing it in uh, for most of the time. And then I've only charted one in all the games that I watched for him from last year's film because we don't have any this year. I only charted one drop that wasn't like the defender coming in and just swatting it out of his hands with like a big chop or something like that. I only charted one just straight up drop for him in the games that I watched. So I do like his hands a lot. Uh, I'm not comfortable saying they're the best in the class at this moment, but you never know once I fully get him completed. It could be there. It could be just right there with Delaney Smith. We'll Absolutely. Figure, we'll figure that out when the time comes. Absolutely. And uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be there with play speed. We no. this I, this I year. Yeah. Be there with play speed. This might be the fastest wide receiver class I think I've ever seen. And honestly, like everybody's talking about how good Justin Jefferson did this year, and how he's like the best rookie wide receiver that's out there. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson wasn't the best receiver on his college team. That was Jamar Chase. So Which is he, just insane. So, assuming that he didn't have some sort of, like, drop-off from not playing this year, which I doubt because I'm sure that he's doing everything he needs to do physically and improving where he needs to improve, there's no reason to think Jamar Chase can't just do exactly what Justin Jefferson did this year based off of college days. I mean, we saw what he did to... A.J. Terrell in the national championship game. A.J. Terrell, despite what some people would say, actually is one of the, in my opinion, I, I might be a little biased as a Falcons fan, he's had a very good year and had one of the better rookie corner years uh, out of anybody that was out there this year. Yeah, I mean, I just remember when A.J. Terrell got taken, like everyone was like, wow, the, I had him as a second, second, third rounder. But, yeah, he... Definitely, he he had a solid a solid rookie rookie year. I mean, rookie corners definitely are one of those positions that they're either very hit or very miss. I'm gonna pull up best uh, best rookie corners this year. Yeah, I mean the only two rookie corners with like above average grades from PFF were Legarius Need and Cameron Dantzler, and AJ Terrell is like right there as the four, uh, fourth best rookie. And barely any difference between him and the second best. Yeah, so I'm so I'm not saying AJ Terrell's the best corner, but he was he's not a bad corner. And Jamar Chase toasted him again and again and again. And that's just what Jamar Chase does. He like in in 2019 he decimated really good defensive secondaries. Look, I mean he went up against Georgia, did really well. Went up against LSU, or not no. He went up against Clemson, did really well. Bama, really well. Like, those are all very good defensive secondaries. Yeah, he toasted—I he, remember him, like, toasting Trayvon Diggs, like— Like, who had also had a very—correct you know, uh, me if I'm wrong, I didn't watch too many Falcon, or Cowboys games, but he did pretty well this year, didn't he? Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he was one of those corners who occasionally had great games, but occasionally had bad games, but he occasionally had great games, which kind of shows that, hey, he's—, he's uh, He's got a chance at be to be someone pretty good. But yeah, that's like a really great kind of comparison. Is like when you're 19 and you're exactly. beating and corners. He's you're, yeah. Uh, do you think is uh, how how's his release? I know that was a very big issue with um 
that was one of the reasons people didn't have Justin Jefferson as high was they were really concerned about how he can get off on the line of scrimmage. I really, of, really like his release to the point where I wrote it in blue and double underlined it. That is all right. So that's what um that is going to be his calling card for the um for what he is the best in the class at his release. We don't have any sevens for releases yet, and he's going to be—he's probably going to be the first probably one. Probably going to be one. I mean, I still have to watch some more. I mean, over the summer, I watched four games from 2019. Obviously, I have to go back and watch more games from 2019 because there's nothing to update. But if my eyes were correct during the summer, which who knows? I hope they were. But I really liked his release during the summer, so I—I I have a feeling that I'm going to like him uh, when I watch, you know, two or three more games on him, just to be really safe but i i like his release a lot yeah that uh that that's good uh, i'm i'm really looking forward to uh the report we're going to start um maybe get getting some teasers going on for where we're going where we're going to have uh guys ranked and all of our rankings and all of our stuff will be based on multiple games of all 22 watched so this isn't this isn't d- when dinky we can ball. find all 22 that is i had to go broadcast for some of these things <laughs> yeah but we, we we have we have the all 22 needed i mean yeah if we're going to be watching like an offensive lineman and then yeah we can use some broadcast but yeah like this this is all going to be legit all 22 so, is hard to find man mm-hmm and apparently like i don't know whoever decided all 22 was going to be like this this holy grail impossible to find stuff i i don't like them very much yeah I really, that's 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 just i don't like that person you know, let, let, let's go find him at um at the senior bowl and uh, let's kick him in the balls. Yeah, I'll just, no, you know what? Just uh, time to a goalpost and give me a football. I'll long snap it into his face a couple times. That's good. Where where we can try some like tag team wrestling maneuvers. <laughs> oh, get like a table. Uh, yeah. you you'll throw him up and I'll bring him down for the three D. Yeah, give me a, yeah. Do a little stone cold stunner into an RKO. I, I think oh. we can work that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. We'll 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 we'll, we'll figure it out. If you're if you're watching this, uh, CEO of all 22, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. You, you better you better hit us with that Google Drive link. No, so we what, already know what happened with Jesse, when Jesse did that. <laughs> yeah. God. I guess the one thing that does beat um, RKO's and Stone Cold Stunners is lawyers. Sad yeah. face. So uh, sleepers, um, who is your uh, favorite wide receiver sleeper this year? Josh Matter Bebe. Matter who? Yeah, exactly. That guy. So at SIS, uh, I had to chart pretty much every Illinois game to do their participation. And start. so starting last year in 2019, and I fell in love with this guy. He is – hold on, let me – where is measurements? I got them written down right here. Oh, God. And it's great, absolutely great radio. Me flipping through a notebook looking for my notes. I know. It's just absolutely outstanding entertainment. I, I apologize to the listeners. There we go. Almost, almost as entertaining as me dropping my calculator. Want to, see, want to hear me do it again? <laughs> oh, 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 hell yeah. So, Joshi Matterbebe, he transferred to Illinois from USC. Um, and if you remember a couple years ago, that video from the opening about a dude jumping, and then he literally just floats at the top of like a 42-inch vertical. 42 yeah. But that's Joshi Matterbebe. The dude that's just floating in that video. Like, so he went to USC, he transferred to Illinois after, you know, just struggling to really fit into that USC offense. And he's 
6'1", 6'2". I don't have exact measurements yet, but he's around 6'2"-ish. 215, he's a thick body. And this is the one guy that I'm okay with a player comp on because I just, I believe it so much. I think he's Muhammad Sanu. Muhammad Sanu. So, not, like, not not current Muhammad Sanu. Like, Muhammad Sanu and he's with the Falcons. Like, uh, like a, a good number two option, like a number two or three option when you have your stud, but just a guy who you can throw on the other side. He can play in the slot. He can play wide. And you can... He's not going to outrun anybody. He's not going to, like, really go crazy and wow you, but he will catch the ball when you need him to catch the ball. He's got solid hands. He's got good body control. As that video shows, if you remember the video, you can probably go look it up anywhere. I'm Yeah. He can, he can jump. So he's got, a, he's got a good catch radius with some strong hands. I, did, I charted, just like in March Chase, I charted one drop. Uh, a lot of off-the-body clean catches. Uh, you know, he's not going to outrun anybody. He doesn't get his separation with speed. He does it with uh, route savvy. So just finding these open spots and coverages and exploiting them. And then he does it with uh, size and length. So he uses that body to the best of his ability to do it. And I, he catches in traffic really well. He, and he can, he can block. So I love seeing that receiver is a guy who can block and who will like his blocking form isn't great, but he's willing to block and he does it strongly. He, he's got good strength doing it as you'd expect from somebody who's two fifteen at the wide receiver position. Okay. So I am looking at an old Josh and matter baby tweet. It is him at a, on one of those Nike high school combines. His 40-yard dash was 4.5, so 99th percentile. His vertical jump at in high school at this high school combine, 46 inches. What I, okay, so 42 wasn't exaggerating, apparently. It was, yes. It was underrating. <laughs> yes. So in high school, this guy is putting up like freakish athlete, um, athletic numbers. So my question about this guy is, why isn't he higher? Why isn't he a consensus um, second-round pick if he has four or five forty-yard dash and can might put up like forty-four to forty-six in the ver- in, um, in the vertical jump? Well, let me tell you. So first and foremost, plays at Illinois. If you're familiar with Illinois Fighting Illini football, not the greatest team overall, and their quarterback is Brandon Peters who, you know, struggles with getting the ball to his receivers, in my opinion. And not only that, Illinois has sort of, like halfway through last year, evolved into a grounded pound. We're going to run the ball 45 times a game. So they're really not throwing it that much anymore, which Uh. obviously is going to hinder a wide receiver's stats. So, like, his film this year, from what I've been able to, uh, from what I was able to see at SIS, they're not, like, they're not throwing the ball that much, so his stats are obviously going to falter. But he's got some really good catches. And also, like, 4-5, it's it's a good speed. Don't get me wrong. But he doesn't really, in my, from what I've seen, he doesn't play at 4-5. He plays a little slower, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, his, his rack isn't great, but, like, He's, in my opinion, he's your prototypical possession receiver. He's gonna get the, like, you're gonna throw it to him. He's gonna secure the catch, and then he's not, he's not gonna wow you after the catch. He's gonna get a couple yards, maybe power through a DB or two, 
but he's not going to, you know, take a 12-yard curl and turn it into an, a 75-yard touchdown. That's Jamar Chase. This guy mm-hmm. is going to this guy is going to secure the ball, get you the first down when you need it. He's going to be smart with where he runs his routes. He's going to, you know, so if you need to get to the sticks, he's going to get to the sticks and he's going to secure the catch before he tries to run with it. So okay. that it might like that's why so he's got those great testing results, but he's not going to, I don't think he's going to be a second round pick or anything like that. Like you were saying, like, why isn't he up that high? Simply because number one, what's on film, there isn't much of it because Illinois can't really get him the ball. And second of all, he doesn't play that fast, but he does have some great highlight reel catches. If you go, I think it was the Iowa game this past year. He has a great back shoulder fade where he gets a toe touch uh, in and shows really good body control to keep his foot inbounds and tap it down before uh, he comes down out of bounds. So he's got really good trait. He's got the really good testing grades, but some of the on-field stuff just doesn't equate speed-wise. I think he plays a little slower, like I said. And then his uh, the sharpness of his cuts has gotten it got better this year, but it still could like his cuts are sometimes rounded. They're not exactly entirely sharp. And Illinois Illinois uses him on a lot of curls, fades slants they don't really use him on a bunch of double moves or posts and stuff he's i I think he's so low like a lot of people don't know don't even know who he is because of the way illinois used him and so i feel like he's a hidden gem i'm not saying he's going to be julio jones or anything i'm saying he like he's got a chance to be prime muhammad sanu where you're perfectly fine with him being your third option like and giving him the ball and trusting that he's going to make the catch and get you the yards you need Wow. Yeah, sounds sounds like the uh sounds like the kind of player who's going to be a late riser. Like one of those I'm not sure if he's going to straight Miles Boykin the combine, but if he Miles Boykins the combine, would you not would you be would you not be surprised? <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised if he tests extremely, extremely well at the combine. But as we all know, the combine isn't everything. The, like the tape is what really shows what you are. The combine can just make you look way prettier i guess is the way i'm talking about so yeah. I, I i'm not gonna be surprised if he absolutely destroys the combine uh but i also wouldn't be surprised if people are just like well he did really good at the combine why didn't he do this at illinois and then they'll pull on the tape and just be like oh they weren't throwing him the ball but there's all there's some like while he can run fast and jump high there's some there's some slight issues that you know you hate to I don't want to say I don't want to like kill the guy because I really like the guy as a prospect, but he like there's some issues that need to be need to be addressed, and that's the way it is with almost every prospect except for like Penny Sewell or Trevor Lawrence or all those guys. Yeah, that's uh yeah I mean that that that's just what what scouting is. You gotta you gotta recognize a player. All right, so fi- final question for you. Who are your top spe- Who are your top special teams players in this prospects? Do you have Do you have your uh, best kicker, your best punter, best long snapper of the draft yet? Uh, don't have the full list figured out just yet, but uh, long snapper Cheeseman at Michigan, number one, it's a great name. Two, yeah. the dude can the the dude can snap. That's not in doubt at all. Uh, when it comes to kickers, 
I haven't really looked at too many kickers this year. Punters, um, the actually the Illinois punter, uh, liked him a lot. Um, Hayes. Yes, Blake Hayes. Um, haven't really gotten too much deep into the special teams just yet. That's the that's the late cycle stuff. Once I finished all my big time reports. Uh, yeah. But do you have a do you have a draft up there? Do you have a draft board up there that shows people? I mean, I probably know. Oh I, yeah, I I I've I've got the list of the top long snappers, top punters, top kickers from um on me right now. I'm trying to think, I know, I che- Cheeseman's probably the top long snapper. He's number two. Who's number one? Fletcher from Alabama. Yeah, I like Cheeseman better, to be honest with you. Yeah, Cheeseman Cheeseman's got a little bit more a little bit more height. Cheeseman's opt oh Cheeseman opted out. And that should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, when you're opting out, we got a long snapper who opted out. But yeah, Fletcher Fletcher is good. Um, let's see. There's a. I think Kentucky has a really good punter, which makes sense because it's Kentucky. They punt a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, uh, what is it? Um, Fletcher actually won the Manly for the best long snapper award. In my opinion, that's because Cheeseman wasn't playing to, to win it. Ah, yes, Cheeseman was just holding back. Oh, yep, yeah. uh, James Smith is considered the best uh, best punter, and Max Duffy from Kentucky is number two. Drew Crispin, though, is a guy I think might shoot up the boards. Ohio State? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, they're, they're guys. But, but like I said, I unfortunately haven't been able to – I mean, cause I've got so many damn reports for other ones that I haven't been able to pay too much attention. I've just – don't worry. Once the Senior Bowl runs around, I'll be, I'll be watching those guys because the Senior Bowl does a pretty good job of uh, locating the top, the top guys. But I would, when it comes to long snappers, Cheeseman, Cheeseman's my guy. Cheeseman's my guy. It might just be because his name is fun to say, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. And any any intel on your us uh, your next favorite position, fullback? Are you a Kylan Granson or a Ben Mason guy? Oh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going full on Michigan in this segment. Ben Mason is my dude. Ben Mason. Ben Mason. I mean, so, that's, um, that's. I mean, Ben Mason's a low man trophy winner. Yep, from Barstool, right? Hey, the pardon my take, low man trophy. That best fullback in America, and you know, I'm you know, people can rip on Barstool and all that stuff, but when it comes to the low man trophy, they got Mike Allstott, all the they got actual they got Mike Allstott, John Coon, a bunch of actual fullbacks voting on that, so. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna trust what the actual fullbacks say. Yeah, and, that's a and they and they it also helps that their opinion of giving him the low man trophy aligned with mine that he's the best fullback in this class. So I'm gonna use it. Yep, uh, a fullback <laughs> sleeper I have for you that I was doing some research on is a guy named Xavier Gaines from Marshall. He's only six two two twenty, but he's got crazy position versatility and has experience at fullback, wide receiver, and tight end. So maybe we can get a little um, what's that guy Marcel Reese from the Raiders back in the day? Maybe maybe he can be one of those. Maybe maybe I will say um. Who is it? BYU's also got a good one. Um, and then who was it? Um, naturally, Army's gonna have a good fullback, but we don't we don't count Army because it's triple option, unfortunately. Sadly. Uh, but you know, honestly, it's the places that you'd expect to have a fullback that have good full, that have good fullbacks because they have fullbacks. Uh, they have fullbacks. Yeah. So I mean, like Wisconsin, can't remember that guy's name. Has a, Wisconsin's got a decent one. Stokey. Uh, 
Sure. I can't remember. I'm not looking at a list or anything. Um, BYU has a good one and Michigan. Georgia doesn't run fullbacks anymore. They used to have some really good ones. I remember Sean Chappis was a good fullback for Georgia back in the day, and Quavon Hicks was a D-tackle that they just like, we're going to give you the ball as a fullback, and that worked out really well for them. But uh, yeah, Georgia doesn't run fullbacks anymore, so that makes me sad because now we're just running single-back stuff. Uh, yep, that, that, is, that is sad. Georgia, des- Georgia deserves fullbacks. Georgia All right. Deserves, so, Georgia yep. also deserves, you know, I don't know what Georgia hey well it was great it was definitely great having you on sales is there any social medias or any other projects you uh want to pitch before we head out uh you know uh instagram and uh twitter just sales pinkney you can probably assuming paul spells it right in the title you can just look it up there and that's just all that all right uh, follow xtb for the best scouting reports in the game yeah, I mean that, that's re- that's really what we're we're putting together. Best guiding reports in the game. We're gonna have the best scouting guide in the game, and uh, hopefully have some the best scout, uh, auxiliary scouting content in the game. We'll uh, maybe leak some rankings and stuff, and give you guys give you guys a little taste of uh, our talent and what we're putting together. Keep an eye out for my for my long snapper rankings. They're gonna they're the most awaited ranking system of the of the year. I'm I'm unironically completely and utterly stoked. All right. Thank uh thank you thank you for coming on sales. I hope well, you have you, absolutely have a great rest of your day and I hope all of uh you guys listening have a great rest of the rest of your day. You can uh, con- um my Twitter is at the football because this is the football scouting podcast and yeah, thank you guys. Have a great good one. Bye.